Jewelry isn't a gift you give just once. It's a way to remind your loved one of a beautiful moment every time they see it. Blue Nile can help you find the gift that says how you feel and says it beautifully with expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com and experience the convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com to find the perfect jewelry gift for any occasion. BlueNile.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Field, that one's called to the right. Hunter on the move, racing back. It's over his head. It's gone. It's into the bullpen. This game is tied. This game is tied. David Ortiz. David Ortiz. David Ortiz. This is Red Sox beat on CLNS Radio. I think it would be a big statement if John Farrell started Travis Shaw on opening day, and I'd be totally cool with it because I think it would. It, it, if that doesn't give Sandoval motivation to, to play better defense and play better, period, nothing will. I think they're going to make Jeter that first unanimous vote, and I hate that about baseball writers. If you belong in the Hall of Fame, you get voted in the Hall of Fame. Achievement or a new milestone. So don't just be like, hey, we, we signed this player, so we're going to have a ceremony. Like, no, no. Like. Now, to your hosts. All right, Red Sox fans, Red Sox beat CLNS Media, the leading online provider of audio and video coverage of your Boston Red Sox and, of course, all other sports in New England. CLNS Media on Twitter, same thing on Facebook, of course. Don't forget our free iOS and Android app. You can listen to all of the network's podcasts there on the go in traffic to work. If you're just sitting at home and don't want to get off the couch, uh, you can listen to us on there as well. Um, Jess Thomas, Lauren Campbell alongside me this week as always. What's going on, guys? Uh, same old. I'm excited to talk some baseball. I missed you guys last week, so I'm excited to get caught up with this week and talk some some Apple Watch, some baseball, some Doug Fister. So I'm pretty pumped. Always got the fist. Yes, we're all, <laughs> we're all lighted up. We got all three of us. We got lights. We're ready for action. Camera. If I, action. we're gonna we're gonna tweet this picture out after we record the show and the show goes live because. I, we want to show you what Jess is really looking at on the other side of him. Um, we are trying to make our video quality as nice as possible for all of you to see our beautiful faces. And we have lamps going on and everything. And Jess is living in like a ma- uh, homemade studio over there. So we're going to tweet the picture out. Um, so we'll, we'll have it everywhere. Um, and make sure you go follow us on Twitter at Red Sox underscore beat to, to check that out. Um, it's a phenomenal homemade studio, so we'll tweet that out, but that's great. Um, I don't even want to talk baseball. I just want to talk about how, why you made that studio so robust, but you did it. And well, I don't want to take the credit. And, and, yeah, we got to give that credit to, to the lady. To the, uh, the almost lady wifey. Almost wifey. Yeah. Almost wifey. Almost wifey. 26 days. Which is a big days, deal. Um, so we'll go to baseball because we have to at some point, right? Um, and let, let's get to the week that was for the Boston Red Sox. Eh. It was okay. It wasn't up and down. It was it was a little bit of everything, Jess. Um, let's just go right into the recap because we have things to talk about. We have Applegate, Watchgate, whatever you want to call it. Uh, we haven't talked on that yet here, so we're going to quickly touch on that. Uh, Christian Vasquez with the ump in that situation. We'll get into that. A lot going on. And then, of course, uh, Doug Fister just fisting everybody in the league he pitches against, and I want to talk about that too. So, Jess, how'd this week end up? 
it was a good week besides the beginning and the end. Bad start, bad end, but great middle. But first of all, Applegate, that's like a sausage brand, isn't it? Is that like a brand of sausage? <laughs> Applegate? I don't know, is it? Like, yeah, Applegate. I thought it was Applegate. like smoked apple wood. I'm thinking of a type. Mm, it's I'm hungry now. I'm going to look it up. It Apple- Just keep Applegate. going. Yeah. I'm going to look it up. Applegate right. sausage. That's a good thing by browser history, right? Yeah, Applegate sausage. Applegate Sorry, sausage. You're right. It's a breakfast sausage. That's so. It is a That's breakfast. It is a Applegate Naturals. It's copyrighted. No one can. Oh my god, sounds familiar. Applegate. I've heard that before. All right, back to baseball. So the first game is Monday. Ten to four, Blue Jays win. I was sitting on the Green Monster for this game for my bachelor party. Speaking of weddings and all that great stuff, uh, busy month here, and uh, it's a great experience. Minus the game, um, I sat in the Green Monster. Uh, Wally came and visited me and gave me a bag full of garb. And uh, then we went on the field after the game, went inside the Green Monster. And then. Uh, and what were you guys here. dressed as? What were you guys dressed as? We were dressed as Dennis Eckers. Yeah, Dennis love it. Cat night, which was just an added wrinkle to the whole thing. And then to top off the night, uh, I met Garen Austin on the street. Wow. <laughs> Garen Austin. It was, a, it was a pretty wild night. What a beautiful so, one she is. <clears throat> the game wasn't so great. Uh, Rick Porcello started, and he gave up a lot of home runs, which has been par for the course for him. Uh, we defend him a lot. Hard to defend him in this game. He pitched five in the third innings. Gave out ten hits, seven runs, three home runs. Kendrys Morales had a three-run homer in the first inning. Uh, the Sox came back a little bit to make it 3-2 with a Nunez two-RBI hit. Then Jose Batista had a home run to make it 4-2. to two. And then Rafi Lopez hit the big one. His third home run of the year, two against the Red Sox, two-run homer in the sixth to knock Porcello out. 7-2 to two at that point. Um, the Sox got a couple runs back in the sixth and seventh to make it 7-4. Then Matt Barnes came in and gave up four hits and three runs in two-thirds of an inning in garbage time, including a Justin Smoke home run. Finals 10-4. to um, I hate to crap on this game because I was there and it was an incredible experience, but this game was terrible. Yeah, and it wasn't fun to watch. And just, um, Sorry, Ed, uh, that game that was your bachelor party game, but it was just... I mean, I know we've blamed lack of run support all pretty much all year for Rick Porcello, but this this game, it's just you know they got we'll, four we'll runs. Do, we'll, should... we'll do that again later in the week for Rick Porcello. <laughs> we absolutely <laughs> not, not will. This one, we're gonna, <laughs> no, we're gonna we're gonna do something completely opposite and not back up Rick Porcello. But it's just it's so frustrating because we get, I I feel like we got enough run support for him. Obviously, the scoreboard we did not, but it was just not a good game all around. No, it wasn't. Um, I'm leaning away from Rick Porcello. Nowadays, I don't know. It's just been up and down too much for me. But this game was, you know, if Rick Porcello pitches like he normally does, or I can't say normally does, but like did last year, and, you know, with confidence, you win with four runs. That's the run support we ask. We don't ask for six, ten runs a game because he shouldn't need that. Four runs should be plenty enough. And obviously, he didn't give up all ten runs, but four runs should be enough to win a baseball game if you're Rick Porcello. Right. But when you give up three home runs and seven runs in just five and a third innings, that's not quite the recipe you're looking for so we won't back him up here and i didn't back him up on the round table tonight which was weird i don't like it but (laughs) there's always hope so let's get to the good stuff the four wins in a row starting with tuesday um this game was just a little bit insane probably because it went to 19 innings Um, because it was like two games yeah more than two two games plus an inning yeah seriously Uh, the the game was six hours long remarkably though guys this was it's it didn't seem like it was 19 innings like there was a lot of outs and extra innings and really i mean like i was saying in our chat i was like for a 19 inning game this game really has i feel like the game didn't take that long like, it could have been a lot longer it could have been yeah i didn't watch the whole thing i'm not gonna say i did but 
most of it I did watch through like the 13th inning, and even those 13 innings flew by. Like it wasn't a, a terribly yeah. long game for 19 innings, for what I saw. Yeah, I watched the whole thing because, of course, That's I did. Nut job. <laughs> high five. <laughs> high five. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it was, but it, it didn't feel like 19 innings. It was, it was great because I had. I, I think I, oh, I had a, a launch party to go to that night. So when I got home, I still had like four hours of baseball, a little to my knowledge. I didn't know it was going to be that long, but I was like, yes, this is great. And I was like, oh man, I get a whole game. I miss most of the game. I get the whole game anyway. But <laughs> I know. Just... <laughs> I, I got I from work at 10 o'clock and still watch three hours of baseball. <laughs> I'm just Pretty so nice. happy they won that game though, because I committed so much time into that game where I'm like, if they don't win. I know. Six hours on the nose. Ended at 110. Uh, so let's break it down. Um, the Blue Jays were up 2 to nothing uh, up until the ninth inning. Kendrys Morales, Kendrys Morales hit a two run, uh, solo home run to make it 2 to nothing in the sixth. Eduardo Rodriguez started. Pitched well. Six innings, six hits, two runs, eight strikeouts. Marco Estrada pitched even better for the Blue Jays. He went seven innings, three hits, no runs. Uh, he was great. He's had a bad season, but he always seems to pitch well against the Red Sox. Uh, and that was it until the ninth inning. Roberto Osuna, who's a pretty good closer, came into the game. He has blown a lot of saves this year, though. And the Sox got some base runners, got two ground outs to score two runs, and it was tied at two. And we're like, well, all right, two runs, tie game, good stuff. Didn't know we were going to be playing ten more innings in this game. And the reason we did play ten more innings, at least from the Red Sox side, is that the bullpen was outstanding. The Sox had 11 relievers in this game, pitched 12 innings, and they gave up zero runs which was incredible. It tied for the record, major league record that was set two days before, or one day before, I believe. The Astros used 12 pitchers out of the pen. That's September baseball for you. But the Sox had Joe Kelly, Addison Reed, Craig Kimbrell all pitch an inning of perfect ball. Um, and then Brandon Workman and Austin Maddox pitched two innings each without giving up a run. Then Hembry pitched an inning. Robbie Scott pitched two-thirds of an inning. Blaine Boyer pitched two innings. Fernando Abad pitched a third of an inning. Carson Smith made his debut in the 18th inning with the scoreless <laughs> inning. And then Hector Velasquez pitched the 19th, and he pitched a scoreless inning. That was crazy. We'll get to that in a second. Then the Red Sox won in the bottom of the 19th when Mookie Betts hit a double to start the inning, and then Hanley Ramirez hit a bloop to center. Even Superman himself, Kevin Millar, Millar? Kevin, yeah. Millar. Kevin Pillar, wasn't fast enough to get it. It dropped in. Betts scored. Sox won in 19 innings. But there's no doubt that the story of this game was all those incredible scoreless innings by all those different pitchers, and then Carson Smith as well. I'm so bummed that I actually I wanted to see Carson Smith, and I didn't. I, it took too long. I wasn't a trooper. You got to stay up till twelve thirty in the morning. <laughs> Let me ask you because he, that's the minute the minute storyline intrigues me coming into September. Obviously, the all of them pitching so well was fantastic, but you guys watched it. How do you think Carson Smith looked? Fantastic. I mean, <laughs> <laughs> that slider was sliding. I was just I was really excited to see him. I was super super pumped to finally see this guy in the mound and i know jess i know you were too um it was just really good to see him get out there and finally pitch at the major league level we waited so long for this moment and for him to go out and just be dominant along with the entire bullpen i think it was a good first start and i think it was a good position from the be in because he could have easily blown the game and he didn't yeah it's a hard spot to put him in 18th inning you don't want to blow the game at this point huge on the line because you, you could pick up a game against the Yankees because they had lost on that day. You know, yep. after a two and a half hour rain delay, they still finished their game before the Red Sox and lost. So the the, uh, the game in the division was sitting there waiting for them. So it was great to get that win. Yeah, Smith looked good. I mean, he had he had a uh, a strikeout. He didn't give up any base runners. He threw sixteen pitches, and his slider is so so filthy. 
I'm sure you saw a replay, Jared. His slider is so yeah, nasty. I, yeah. I did watch the highlights, but obviously it's not like we're watching it like pitch by pitch. But um, his slider is what makes him so good. That's like his. That's his pitch because of his arm slot. Because of you know he is a reliever. Having a slider like that on top of a fastball um, is what makes him so dangerous. And that's why I was intrigued to see how he did. And moving forward, like I've been talking about, it's can he be reliable enough that basically adding an arm like that in September is like having a stud call up or having like a late season free agent sign with you uh, because of this? Well, I think it's huge because you have, you know, you bring him back at the beginning of September, like, like they did, you know, before, before the middle of September first week or so. And now he can work his way back in and not pitch every day. Cause he's obviously not doing that because they don't want to wear him out immediately, but he, you know, he works his way in, and by the playoffs, you'd assume he'd be in pretty good shape. I mean, there's not a, there's not a game every day in the playoffs, so it's, it lines up perfectly for him to get into games. So I think the time he came back worked out really well to be ready for October. Oh, definitely. Yeah, de- <clears throat> definitely. I mean, he, if we can keep him on this track where, you know, obviously, so we don't want to wear him out, but if you get him in, you know, every other game, every two, three games, then I think that's that'd be perfect, especially going into October. And like you said, there's not a game every day in October. So keep kind of that consistency. He's going to be great. Yeah, exactly. So that was fun. Great game. I wish I was at that one because <laughs> I like long games. Man, if I was in the monster for 19 innings. <laughs> would have got your oh money's worth God. going up there. Or your friends oh would have got your money's God. worth. God. And we would have seen a win too. <laughs> but can't control that. Um, so I went on Wednesday as well. I so did, did too. Lauren. <laughs> yeah. We both went, uh, not together, but we did both go. Um, and this game was interesting because it was wet, nasty, <laughs> but the Sox played really well. Uh, it started raining at 7.50. It pretty much rained the entire time until 10 o'clock on a, like different varying levels of rain. Uh, we were soaked. We were sco- <laughs> Me and Bridget were scoring the game, and... Uh, we had to stop in the sixth inning because the score sheet was so wet. <laughs> I'm surprised we lasted that long. We were trying to like cover it with our program, and it worked a little bit. But it was pretty wet, but we battled it out. I'm just glad it wasn't raining on Monday because we were better equipped to deal with the rain than seven of us at a bachelor party were. On the Green Monster. <laughs> anyway, on the Green Monster. So I think that worked out well. Uh, we all got to sit in the rain here, me, me, Bridget, Lauren, and Leona uh, sitting, sitting in the rain. We're getting very personal here. A lot of, a lot of, a lot of exciting stuff. <laughs> a lot of games to attend. Um, but the game was great. Uh, Doug Fister started against Joe Biagini. He sucks. Fister was great. Um, same thing as always for Fister. He had a bad first inning, as he always does. So I hope if he pitches in the playoffs, that doesn't happen because you can't afford that in the playoffs. Fortunately, he just gave up one run in this game. He walked in Miguel Montero for a run. Um, but then the Sox got it right back in the first inning. Eduardo Nunez got the thing going. He got a single, stole second, went to third, and then scored in the ground out. So he uh, he really did some good stuff there. And then the rain started coming in the fourth. And it's funny how it works because right as the rain started happening, the Sox were like, "Oh, we got to score. We got to get out of here before the fifth, before the uh, <laughs> so they can call." It builds the game. urgency. It, was, it really does. It does. It really does. It was funny how that happened um, to see it firsthand. Uh, Xander Bogart hit an RBI triple to right field to make it two to one. Rafael Devers hit a single to left field to make it three, and then Jackie Bradley Jr. hit a monster blast into the bullpen to make it five to one. While the rain was coming down pretty hard, he probably couldn't even see, and he cranked that jack, make it five one. <laughs> and then they actually never called the game; it, they kept raining throughout it, but it didn't. It wasn't enough to uh, to call it, which is good because you know, good to finish the game. 
and uh, the Sox scored one more run in the sixth to make it six to one. And Fisher was dominant. After the first inning, he didn't give up anything. He went seven innings again, giving up four hits, one run, and a season high nine strikeouts. Biagini gave up five runs and three and a third. He came out pretty quick there in that that inning. So yeah, I mean Doug Fister's show. Sox take two out of three, and uh, they played through the rain. So you know, bad weather, but. They made, it, they made it count. I love that Fister showed his, his worth in the conditions, too, because, you know, once you get into late September, October, maybe November, who knows, cross your fingers, um, it gets nasty around here. So, if you know, being able to pitch in, in those kind of conditions off and on, unpredictable, balls wet, you know, those sort of things, you know, it, it's nice to see him pitch through that, and and um, I, I'm on the Fister bandwagon, that's for sure. Yeah, I mean, it took me a while to get on there because when he first got here, he looked shaky and all that. But it was such so refreshing to see him pitch so well and be so dominant, especially like you said in the rain. And it wasn't like it was cold, but it wasn't hot either. It's definitely really like weird weather on Wednesday. Um, and I was soaked. My mom was soaked. I really need to give a shout out to my mom for sticking through the nine innings with me. She was. I'm pretty sure she was ready to leave like the fourth. And she's, <laughs> She's like, after we left, I was like, oh, thanks for staying with me. And she's like, well, I couldn't ask you to leave early. So, <laughs> big shout out. She knows her, she knows her daughter. Like, <laughs> she does. Right. She does. She she created this monster. So, big shout out to Leona right there for sticking out that three-hour game with me. And she, yeah, most, like, most moms in their 60s would not stick out a rainy three-hour no. game. Oh, <laughs> she, sang, she sang Sweet Caroline. She did the uh, Take Me Out to the Ball game. She had pizza. Like, she was just, she stuck through the whole thing. She was prepared. She had a raincoat, but... She was so prepared the whole game, and she's like, thank God they won, and I'm so glad, because I took her last year, and it was just a crap show of a game that I took her to. So I'm glad that we saw good pitching, we saw some offense, we saw some home runs, we saw a triple, so very, very uh, good game. Yeah, it was a fun one, minus the rain, but hey, that's when, that's when real fans show their colors. Yeah, there I, was I mess- nobody there. I, I messaged you, I'm like, you stayed to the end? You're like, yeah, you? I was like, yeah, of course. <laughs> of course, so yeah. There was nobody there either. Like we moved up, we were in the we were in the bleachers, and then we got closer to in between home plate and uh, third base. So we got a lot closer. Nice. Yeah. We were in the right field roof box, which is a great view. Even Fantastic! View. I, love, I, I love I love being up there. Yep, it's so one great. of my favorite spots. So I get to send the monster on Monday, and then the right field roof box on Wednesday. You and so. you are spoiled. I know. I know I didn't have to pay for the monster tickets. I paid for the right field roof box, but only sixteen bucks because it was a weekday September and it was raining. So I got a yep. super deal. That's nice. Paid twenty. So. I paid twenty three for mine, so I get great. It was great. Yeah, that's the, September is the way to do it. So moving on, uh, off day on Thursday, and then on Friday, we had a nice start to the series against the Rays, um, and the first game was great, a nine to three win. Drew Pomerantz against Chris Archer. Drew Pomerantz continued to do what he does, and Chris Archer continued to do what he does against the Red Sox. Um, Pomerantz gave up two hits and two runs, seven strikeouts and in six innings. Fantastic. Got his 15th win, dropped his ERA to 335. Chris Archer, on the other hand, pitched three innings, gave up nine hits, eight runs, six earned, and he is now 2-12 and in his career against the Red Sox with an ERA over six. Not sure what happens to him against the Sox, but they were they were they got after it quick against him. Mookie Betts hit a three-run homer in the first inning with no outs. Pedroian Benintendi got on base and Betts hit a three-run homer just to the left of the foul pole in right field. It was like the shortest home run in history, and it was three nothing before an out was recorded. So that was a great start, but that wasn't that wasn't all the Red Sox wanted to get in this one because in the fourth they got five more runs, which was icing on the cake. Uh, a lot of hits. 
three different RBI singles, Jackie Bradley Jr., Andrew Benintendi, Hanley Ramirez, all got RBI singles in the inning, and they got five and all to make it eight nothing, and then the the Indians. Oh, I got that. Uh, the Rays got t- three runs in the fifth and seventh inning to make it eight to three. Vasquez got an RBI double in the seventh to make it nine to three. So good offensive performance. Three for three for Rafael Devers. Two hits for Benintendi. Two hits for Vasquez. The three-run homer for Betts and uh, Drew Pomerantz shut him down. So this was great. I mean, good pitching, good offense, and Chris Archer sucks. Oh, Chris what... Archer is terrible. Yeah, I don't know the what Red it is. Fox. I don't know what it is, but he can't do it. I know, he's so good as everyone else, but he can't pitch against us. It was great. I saw on Twitter, it was just uh, just a random tweet that popped up, and it, all it said was, the Red Sox still own Chris Archer. That's all it said. <laughs> it was like, I'm like, and that's all you really need to know about this game is exactly that, because I don't know. I don't know why he can't control his pitches. I don't understand why he just can't, why he falls apart. It's just like he just forgets how to pitch, and it's just like he's playing, you know, just kind of tossing the ball and they just know how to hit him. They have this guy figured out, kind of like how the Indians have Chris Sale figured out, I guess you could say. But it's just like, wow, I love, I wish Chris Archer could pitch all the time against us. Seriously, this game was literally Drew Pomerantz is Drew Pomerantz. Chris Archer sucks against the Red Sox. Move on, 9-3. That's it. That's all it was. Yeah, that was... Recipe. I mean, the game was over in the first four innings because it was eight nothing already. Yeah, at that so, point, you, you, at that point, you watch it because you enjoy baseball. But like that game's over. Yeah, they put it out of reach early, which is funny because they put Saturday's game out of reach even earlier than Friday's. Uh, another great offensive performance. This game is Chris Sale against Matt Andrees. Uh, Chris Sale went back to doing business because he just pitches like a maniac against bad teams. No question about it. Six innings, six hits, one walk, eight strikeouts, no runs. He only, went, he only threw up 97 pitches. If, if this was a game he had to pitch in, he probably would have went two more innings, but there was no need because Matt Andrees pitched an inning and two-thirds, gave up seven hits, eight runs, six Disgusting. earned. I don't, know, I don't know who was worse, Andrees or Archer. I think Andrees was worse. Andrees was worse. Awful. Andrees was terrible. Because yeah, he, he didn't even get out of the second inning. So in this one, Dustin Pedroia hit a two-run homer in the first. Once again, before there was an out recorded, Nunez got a single, Pedroia hit a home run. Is his first extra base hit since coming off the DL, so that was good to see. Mitch Moreland got the third run in at a ground out, and then the Sox were right back at it the second inning. Andrew Benintendi hit a two-RBI double off the Green Monster to make it 5 nothing, and then they intentionally walked Bookie Betts to get to Mitch Moreland, who decided to do the same exact thing and crank a ball right off the Monster, pretty much the same exact place as Benintendi for two more runs, and it was 7 to nothing. and then Hanley Ramirez reached on a terrible throw by Evan Longoria to make it 8 nothing. And that one bounced into first base. It was eight nothing after two innings. It was nine nothing after three innings. Sale just did his thing, and then nobody else scored in the game because it was already nine nothing. So nine runs on fifteen hits for the Sox. No runs on eight hits for the Rays. And I mean, if you're staking Chris Sale nine runs in three innings, you are never losing that game. No, that, that this game was just offense on offense. Rays couldn't hold on. Um, obviously, he pitched like crap. So, I, I think he was worse than Archer. I do. And you know, nice to see the offense actually take advantage of that, though, because there are some times this year where you should have been able to do this and didn't. So, uh, as the season's progressing, you're still trying to hold on to first place. Um, it's nice to see the offense take care of a game like this when you had an opportunity to pounce and kind of put it away early, and they did. Yeah, especially with Sale on the mound too. You mean you need to after his last two starts, you need to give that guy some run support and. It's exactly what they did, and I think at one point when Mitch Moreland came to bat, he was like the eighth batter in the inning, and there were still no outs, and 
I think it was this game, but it was just absolutely insane. Just like run after run. And it's not often you see Longoria make a terrible throw. So I was just like, oh, this game's definitely going in our favor <laughs> after I saw that. Right. Yeah, Andres couldn't get an out for the save his life. He was awful. It was he bad. Couldn't, he, could, he couldn't do anything. So two great offensive performances in a row, nine runs in each game. So that was great to see. That was a fourth straight win. Uh, it brought us into Sunday. Not so much runs in this game. Four to one Tampa Bay win uh, yesterday on Sunday. Um, Rick Porcello against Alex Cobb. Cobb's a good pitcher. Um, both pitched well. Cobb gave up four hits in one run in five innings. Porcello gave up five hits, two runs in five innings as well. Um, but a couple runs for the Rays off the bullpen. Wilson Ramos hit a home run off Brandon Workman, and Lucas Duda hit a home run off of Robbie Scott, and that was the difference, four to one final. So, unlike in the first game of this week with Porcello, this one they didn't give many run support because he pitched well enough to win. You know, he went five innings, gave up two runs, but the offense was nowhere to be found. They had five singles and couldn't do anything. So, I guess it was bound to happen. They scored nine runs in the first two games, and they had won four in a row. I guess, I guess they were bound for a dud. Unfortunately, it was four for Porcello, which means he's now nine and seventeen. It's ridiculous. Yeah, I mean, this game, I, I looked at this game, and I, I, I kind of watched the highlights again, and, and Porcello didn't pitch bad, but I think the issue with me is just the consistency. It's not the fact, obviously, he's not getting run support half the year, but also, I want him to pitch consistent enough that I shouldn't have to worry about it, or at least that the run support always isn't the argument, because in this game, he did pitch well enough to win, and obviously, they just ran into a good pitcher in a, a tough situation, but there have been other games and other situations where if he was just consistently okay, Red Sox might have more confidence, you know, because if you're Porcello's teammate and he does what he always does, you know, you give up a home run first couple innings, that's depleting to a team now you're behind again all of a sudden. And Red Sox have to do that a lot. So if you are Porcello, I think his objective here through the rest of September is really just work on coming out of the gate stronger um, and actually not allowing home runs early because that consistency not doing that is something that will help, I think, the offense gain momentum and grow that confidence early in the game. Yeah, I mean, it's it's definitely frustrating because, you know, we can use the run support argument for a game like this, but we can't use it in his last game. And it's the consistency, like you said. It's so frustrating to not know what kind of pitcher you're going to get every single outing. And, you know, he's 9-17. and 17. He, he leads the league in losses. I'm pretty sure he leads the league in home runs given up. And, and you know, And hits. And then this time last year, his record was 20-3. and three. And just to think, like, they say a lot can change in a year, and holy moly, I didn't think it could be this drastic. But, and I'm not saying, you know, I expect another Cy Young year, like, like year for him. I didn't but not this, that though. This is, this is but like I, two years ago. This is bad. No, yeah, I expected, every like, September we're like, whoa, what happened to Rick Porcello? Terrible, great, not so yeah. good. Yeah. And I understand, like, you know, I, I don't expect 20 more wins from him, but I was expecting at least 15. I wasn't expecting a, a, a subpar, terrible, I don't even know what I can call it kind of season <laughs> from him because, I mean, he's pitched, he's never been this terrible in his career. He's been, he's been good. He's been mediocre, but he's never been like this. So it just sucks to see it come and everyone just loves to hate on him, but it, I'll, I'll use the run support argument for 80% of his starts. And it's just, you can't blame him all the time. If, you can't win games if you score one run. And sometimes you can, but you just it's not going to happen. Well, yeah, he's given up a lot of home runs and a lot of hits this year, but he has not pitched as bad this year as he did two years ago. He just hasn't. No. 
No, but, he's not. but the home run, the home run ball is still an issue. Oh, oh yeah. I don't think obviously it's, it's not hard as, to trust him. Because yeah, of that. it's obviously not as bad of a situation. Two years ago, he couldn't find the strike zone. He walked it like it was bad. This year, it's just the consistency with getting to a good start early because the home runs are the reason why he fails because one bad pitch might be all he throws. He might throw a bunch of good pitches and one bad one, but that one bad pitch is worth three or four runs because of the home runs. So that's my concern with him moving forward. Not completely gone on him yet, but um, I am pretty convinced that he might be the one to have to sit out in the rotation if Doug Fister's going to get in. He He keeps pitching like this. And, and not for nothing, the bullpen gave up two home runs in that game, too. It, it wasn't just Rick Porcello's doing. And, you know, that's when you leave the game in the hands of your bullpen, too. Like, you need to trust those bullpen guys, and they come in here, and they just don't do their job. Well, it's hard to blame them, too, though, because coming into Sunday's game, they gave up one run in the last 21 innings, partly because they had 12, uh, 13 scoreless innings on Tuesday. <laughs> right. But, yeah. But they were pitching great, too, coming into this game. So it's like, you know. Sometimes it just doesn't all work together at the same time. So, you know, so be it. As the it beauty was, of it was, baseball. Yeah, I mean, four and two week. Take two out of three from both teams. Me and Jerry didn't get it quite right. We were close, but we didn't quite, quite get it right. So we'll take it. A four and two weeks good. It was great middle of the week, you know. Stayed ahead of the Yankees um, pretty much throughout the week with all those wins. So that was good. Uh, MVP, I am going to give a co-MVP, and it's really more for breaking out of slumps. Uh, my first MVP is Xander Benintendi. He came into the week and continued the week and was hitting 0 for 20. And then he broke out. He got two hits on uh, Friday, three hits on Saturday, and another hit on Sunday. He had five RBI in the week um, and those six hits. So I'm going to give one to him for doing that. And then also Rafael Devers, he was also in a slump, and he'd been pretty bad for a couple weeks. But huge for him and for the team. He showed that he could overcome that, and he had a really, really nice week. Um, several multi-hit games uh, during the week. He had about two on Wednesday, three on Friday, and two on Saturday. He didn't have a whole lot of RBI, but he did have he did have a lot of hits there. So that was that was good for um, for his confidence. So I give it to both of them for just getting out of their slumps and getting some good hits this week. I give huge cut to Devers because. You know, he started hit the slump, and everyone started talking, uh-oh, here it is. Here's the rookie slump. Here it is. He's stepped in there. They've kept putting him in there. They've had faith in him, which is huge, too. But he's not shying away from the big opportunities. And he's 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 playing third base for a first-place team in the AL East and uh, fighting for a playoff spot, fighting for the division, fighting for a chance to move deep. And he's going to be a big part of what you do um, come October. All at 20 years old, too. Like, that is Still just absolutely ridiculous. Still can't have a sip of alcohol in public. Nope, he cannot, and that's that's crazy to me. Like, if they clinch that division, and or even you know whatever they do, they'll be popping champagne. Obviously, he's going to be drinking. And I mean, Tyler Sagan was drinking when they won the Stanley yeah, Cup. Yeah, so. out of the cup on national TV, he's okay. But he was also in Canada drinking age of nineteen there. So <laughs> that's true. That's <laughs> but true. I mean, I I I love Devers. I love what he's doing, and I'll say it time and time again. He's completely proved me wrong because I didn't want him up here. I was concerned they were going to destroy his confidence and it was going to be like a Moncada kind of thing. I was terrified for it, and I'm so happy that he's just really producing at the plate. He's producing on the field. He's just he was born to play baseball, like Andrew Benintendi. Like these two kids were just born to play baseball, and they're kids. We have so much time left to see these guys play. It's so much fun. Yep, and as long as his defense holds up, which it has, 
Mind you, he's made, he made, he's made some nice plays at third base, some backhanded scoops with darts across the first. He's looked great over there at the hot corner, too. So uh, as long as that stays consistent and the bat stays where it's been, no problem there. So I love the co-MVP there. That's just his recap. Of course, brought to you by our good friends at FanDuel. Football, of course, is back. Week one is in the books. And, of course, it's fantasy football for everybody New contest every week. If you forgot to play Kareem Hunt like this guy, you can put him on your uh, back in your roster. If you don't have him on your roster, you can play him in one-week fantasy. Uh, he must have killed it for anyone who played on Thursday night. One-week team, and now, you know, guys, I should have played him. Everyone should have played him. But um, the one-week fantasy is great. You know, we're playing. We're on there playing. You guys can play against us this upcoming week and week two. We'll show you how to do that. But, guys, one-week fantasy is great because on FanDuel especially, you know, New rosters every week, you draft every week, and it's just a nice experience for everybody because yearly fantasy can get kind of frustrating. I should have put Jacksonville defense in. I'll just leave it at that. <laughs> I'm so mad I, about that. I had Indianapolis' defense against against uh, the Rams that scored 46 points. I don't oh. think so well. Yeah. <laughs> uh, fantasy. This is the love-hate relationship with fantasy. The nice Man, thing I about, yeah. Give, I, I want to give FanDuel credit because I've never done FanDuel and I'm not doing fantasy football anymore because it drives me insane and I haven't <laughs> at it at all. But <laughs> because of this FanDuel thing we're doing in this promo, I, I bought in and... Uh, you guys should too, because I actually really enjoyed it. I had you fun did. picking the team, and I had fun following it throughout the day. I started out well; I didn't end very well, but I have confidence that I will do well in future weeks. And I hope well, everybody else good. does too. Yeah. <laughs> and it'll get you amped up to join a league, a yearly league. It just gets you more frustrated. Well, Friendships well, and families have, oh, have ended. Oh of yearly God! Fa- yeah, everything's been <laughs> torn apart because of yearly leagues. But nice thing about it is, there's over two and a half million people playing on FanDuel, so you have a ton of people to play against. Join Jess. Uh, he was a newcomer to FanDuel. He, what he did was use our code Red Sox Beat. He got an offer. It's free with no deposit required. You can visit FanDuel.com. You hit the Join Now button. You can also go to FanDuel.com backslash Red Sox Beat and play against us in our listener league as well, and that'll be there for week two. So definitely check that out. Uh, again, of course, you're going to do FanDuel.com, claim your free contest, and play for a share of $10,000. Just sign up using our promo code, which is Red Sox Beat. That's FanDuel.com. Promo code is Red Sox Beat, all one word. Void where prohibited, guys. One week fantasy is phenomenal. Fantasy football in general is phenomenal, um, and it, it's just Fanduel's a phenomenal partner. I'm glad to have him there. So, if you join the league, if you join our listener league, my username is uh, Jester Eleven, three S's, J E S S S T E R Eleven. Because it is, because it is for because it is for everything. I'm sure, I'm sure listeners will be able to guess my name. So, yeah, seriously. Um, and yeah, mine is simple. Mine is just Jay Scally, I believe. So, so you can find us all. You can find us all, and we'll check us out, and we'll, we'll promote where to go during the week as well. So definitely check out the Listener League there on FanDuel.com. Uh, promo code again, Red Sox Beat. So one thing we have to talk about, we've, we've been kind of talking about it a little bit here and there, but last, month of August, guys, he's under 2 ERA. It's like a 1.5. I don't even know exactly the number. But Doug Fister has been absolutely stud-like. He's pitched like 30 innings, I think, over the course of the month, and just guy is dominating everybody. This is what he was doing, you know, in Detroit. This is why Dombrowski has some faith to bring him back, and now it's a case of, I think it's sustainable. I think this is what you're going to get. Now it's, he has another quality start. Is he going to be in the playoff rotation? Has to be. Does someone get kicked out? What does this look like for him, and can he keep this up at least through September? to sustain the bandwagon that we've all clearly jumped on at this point. There's no way he you don't start him in the playoffs. And 
whether that's your two or three starter, he's got to be in that rotation. And if somebody's getting left out, it's, I'm sure we'll talk about it. It's David Price just because you, you can't, he doesn't belong there right now. And he's, you know, coming off simulated games, which is great, but I don't trust him. I don't trust the elbow. I don't care how good he says he feels, put him in the bullpen. That's where he belongs. And then to figure out the odd man out from there, but you can't leave Fister out of this rotation when he's striking out nine guys, he's going deep into games, which we so badly need. And it's just, you can't, he's, he's played in the playoffs before. He's won a playoff game before. Only person in this rotation who has won a playoff game at all. As a starter. As a starter. Oh, yeah. David Price, yeah. Boom, boom. You have two wins in the, out of the bullpen. Good for Go you. Go back to the bullpen. Where Go you back to the bullpen. <laughs> right. But the thing, with this, the thing with this, though, is the problem is it's only going to be a four-man rotation. No one ever does five. So David Price is the obvious one. Now you have Sale. Got to be Drew Pomeranz, our good buddy there. And now yep. you look at Porcello, Erod, and Fister. That's five. They're not going to use five unless they really have to. So it comes down to Erod and Porcello. Who, who's the odd man out there? And oh. at that point, who knows? Porcello's got to earn my trust into September if he wants. I still trust Porcello more than Erod just because of experience and age. Erod's a little too inconsistent for me. Yeah, I think I got to go with that too. I mean, I know Porcello hasn't had the best year. He gives up a lot of home runs, and we saw what he did last year against Cleveland. But I know it's just I don't trust Erod. He's, I just... I can't trust him. Like I said, he's young. He's never, he doesn't have the playoff experience and I know he'll get that eventually, but especially if we're going against the, the Windians, I'm not even, I don't think we really have to go against the Windians now because they're going to be the one <laughs> no. seed and we won't be, we'll be like, it's not going to happen. Um, oh, we'll probably face the Astros. But that being said, I, I'm leaning towards D-Rod, but right now my answer is Rick Porcello because he's super inconsistent and the home run ball scares the crap out of me. Rick Porcello gave up. I wrote an article on Couch Guy Sports like a couple hours ago, and it was like 17 home runs in the month of August. Rick Erod gave up five, and that's a big number for me because in the like it's crunch time, and if both are inconsistent, both have about a four ERA in August. At that point, you give me the lefty, and you give me a guy who's not going to let the long ball. Because like I said earlier, one swing of the bat, it turns to three runs instead of just a couple, and that's a big difference in a playoff game when you're playing a team whether it's Houston or Cleveland. A couple ding dongs and you're down and you're screwed. Yeah, no, it's definitely a tough choice, but yeah, you got it. You got to throw Fister in there. He's going to be your three at this point. I mean, this guy has been between his experience. He's had several really strong seasons in the league. He's been in the league for quite a while. Yep. But just his last four games: nine innings, seven innings, seven innings, seven innings, one run, two runs, one run, one run. That's fantastic. Yeah. You got to go with your hot hand. I mean, you got to do. You got to go with who's pitching well. Yeah, you have and, to. There's, there's no doubt he's number three right now. I mean, obviously, Pomerantz has been great, so you got to put him above him. It's, you're never going to put Sale anywhere but one, no matter what he does. Yep. So there's no doubt that Fister's three. He has to be. He's totally earned it, which is hilarious because he wasn't even here to start the year. The Angels didn't even want him in their organization. Nope. And now he's sitting here talking about being our three-star? That's insane. Yeah. He's well, that, been so fun to watch. It, he's been phenomenal. It shows why he was doing the good things for the Tigers when he, had, when he was there a couple years ago. And it also speaks to... The inconsistency of the rotation. You know, now you have a guy in Rick Porcello you thought you could bank on coming into the year. He's iffy. Same thing with Erod. Now David Price, who threw a simulated game and claimed he felt good, but now you're not going to put him in the rotation. He can't pitch in the playoffs. He's not going to get on a mound. He can't go to Pawtucket. They're done. So it's now the point where simulated games is all he can do, and I don't trust the simulated game to tell me he can go pitch in a postseason game. No, absolutely not. I mean, I know simulated games are completely different than pitching in in 
big league games. And I'm glad he's pitching well, and I'm glad that he seems to be rehabbing well. But I mean, did you ever guys? Did you guys ever think at the beginning of spring training that we'd ever be sitting here talking about Doug Fister being number three starter? Or, if we want David Price being in our rotation, exactly. <laughs> like we, at the beginning the of the bullpen. season, we're like this. This rotate, like we're like this rotation is stacked. We're like we're gonna be so good that it was like, oh no, oh no, oh no. And never, now it's you never know what's gonna happen during the this. This is why I love baseball because Insane. Rick Porcello could be the odd man out in a playoff rotation, where Doug Fister could take the spot. And like you said, that he this guy wasn't even on the team to start. Nope. To start the season, Rick Porcello he, won Cy Young last year. <laughs> yeah, that's that blows my mind. You're going from a Cy, you're going from a Cy Young winner to a guy who could potentially be left off a postseason roster, a postseason rotation, opening day starter, and he oh, might not yep. be on the rotation. That's yeah. insane. That's this crazy. is why so, I love baseball. You never know what's going to happen. It's a long you, season, and it's every week. I swear, it's just like. It's something different. It just it makes it fun. It makes it exciting. It makes it stressful for for Red Sox fans. But it's just like it's insane. I never thought we'd be here talking about who would be left off the rotation and in names like David Price and Rick Porcello. Yeah. Well, me me and Nick talked about this on our roundtable a couple hours ago. Just with with Price, it's like if he continues what he's doing, you know, simulated game. Five days later, simulated game. One more inning pitched. Five days later, simulated inning game. One more inning pitched. He's not gonna be. He's not gonna be starting. It's no, he'll barely, he'll barely be good to go into the bullpen. Yeah, exactly. So if anyone wants him to start at the end of the season or just start for the playoff roster, forget it. The guy's his, his rehab process is so slow. I mean, there's no oh. way in hell he's coming back. No, there's no way. I'd rather just honestly, I'd rather him know we need this team at this point. They're doing okay without him. Their bullpen's showed yeah. up. You know, Carson Smith's back. It's another arm. You saw in the 19 inning game. There's enough arms out there, especially with the call ups that at least now. They can save some guys and not have to tax all of them through September in these longer games. They're going to use different people to battle to win the division. But going into October, you're rested. You can use everybody. You have a shirt at back end of your bullpen, especially if Carson Smith is actually healthy, which he looked pretty good in the highlights, and you guys claimed he looked really good. So that's another arm, sixth through ninth inning. That's shirt up. If your starters can't get to the fifth inning, you're not going to win a playoff game anyway. And we also know that Mitch Moreland can pitch if, if need be, so Lefty. we do know that he, he is a uh, solid backup, backup. <laughs> really, uh, really backup, backup. Really, really backup, <laughs> backup. Yeah. Um, Laura mentioned she loves baseball. One reason why I don't love baseball is this Apple Watch thing becoming a story, and I don't want to talk about it forever. But we haven't talked about it on this show because it was like the day after, like everything else breaks in this world um, after we record the show. So quickly, guys, what are your thoughts on this? I think it's hilarious. They thought Doug Fister's mouth guard was a headpiece. Um, stupid Yankees. Um, just overall, I think this is moronic that it became a story. Um, it's obviously not illegal to steal signs. That wasn't the problem. It was the that technology. But what is your thought on all this becoming a story between the Red Sox and the Yankees? And the fact that it actually has fueled the rivalry. This has actually fueled the rivalry. CC was talking crap. Christian Vasquez hit that um, hit the double or whatever it was, and he looked over and, and did this. And uh, like IT, what time is it type thing for the Apple time. Watch. Yeah, like, come on. I mean, it's it's stupid that it's become such a big story. I like that it's fueled the rivalry, but it's just it's so dumb. But everyone's focused on like, oh, it's not illegal to steal signs. It's not. It's the Apple Watch that was illegal or whatever. I'm impressed by how quickly they got like the sign from person to person. If you think like how many people that sign had to go through to get to the batter, yeah. you just think like it has to go from this person, this person, this person, and then they're doing it on the watch. So I'm like, 
that's kind of impressive. So I'm going to give them props. Yeah, it's right. A, I don't know how it's how it's, how it's so flawless. Like, and the Red Sox were like, "Yeah, we did it. Whatever. Thanks, though. Appreciate it." But this, and then you know what? They they stole the science and they still lost the game. So screw off, Yankees. You guys are just terrible, and you will think of like any excuse to just make us uh, make the Red Sox look bad. And it's like you said, the the whole oh the, they're stealing signs. Like look at that earpiece. Like Stupid. Doug Fister grinds his damn teeth. Yeah. So many people grind their teeth, so he wears a mouth guard. I, ma- I got a mouth guard for nighttime. Uh, yeah, see? I, I we... grind my teeth. Yeah, Doug. Yeah. <laughs> and it's just like, and, and if I, when I was a pitcher, I wore a mouth guard just for the sole fact of just being terrified of getting hit in the face. Because you don't, I mean, I don't want to lose my teeth. I don't think anybody wants to lose their teeth. So right. it's just, Garen you know, he's pre- some teeth tonight. Oh, that's, <laughs> I mean, that, that's terrible. But I hope, wish her a speedy recovery. Absolutely. I don't never want to lose any teeth but it's it's so dumb and it's so pointless and i know they said like the punishment could come down this week and even manfred didn't even look phased by this it's gotta be a fine it's gotta be something stupidly little because manfred like you said didn't even care he's like no whatever he's like oh the rivalry's back great he's like oh yankees great yeah more watches let's buy them all watches (laughs) baseball's back yay yep right yeah, no, definitely I encourage people to listen to our roundtable. We had a two-part roundtable, a fire fest between Nick Qualia, Alex Barth, and Adam Ballou. Um, Alex and Adam thought that it was like a big deal and that like it was a really bad look for the Sox. Nick said that it was going to die and end real quickly, which is kind of what's happened. Um, I, I don't know. I think it's, it's obviously a bad look, you know, because doing something that's against the rules. But to see the commissioner's response to it and to see that nobody's really cared that much about it and that, the Yankees, you know, the Sox Clay and the Yankees did the same thing, and then everyone's yeah. like, oh, yeah, we still signed. Like, nobody really made it seem like a big deal. I thought it was going to turn into a big deal because of the whole thing with the Patriots and that happening with them. I thought it was going to be that all over again, but it just died quickly, and I think that Manfred not really caring about it definitely fueled the fact that nobody else cared about it because he was like, well, whatever. So, I don't know. It's a bad look, no doubt, because you got caught, I guess, and that's, you know, admitting to it. That's not good, but... A week later, to see that it hasn't really gone anywhere makes it not really seem like it's as bad as maybe it seemed. No, and, and Pedro- I, I, sorry again. As Pedroia came out and was like, "Yeah, we, we still signed, so what?" Everyone like, else does. Yeah, like it, it's so stupid. Manfred's comments should have told everybody in the world watching and understanding baseball that it doesn't matter. Like they're gonna get with a fine because of the technology, and that's that's not allowed. Which is why they came and fessed up. Yeah, we had Apple watches on our wrist, but stealing signs is not a problem. So they're not gonna get hit with some suspension or vacating wins, John Heyman, you idiot. Uh, they're not going to get hit with any of that. Like, it's just going to be a small fine for having technology in the in the clubhouse, and that is it. Uh, they can't find them or, like, yell at them for stealing signs because it's it's legal in the game if you can figure out how to do it. Let's, um, let's move on because Christian Vasquez, um, we wanted to touch on this quickly and didn't really mention it while we were doing the recap, but there's one play in particular, and Jess, you, you're particularly fire up about this play too because he yeah, was he was tagging up from third base you, I'm, it was in that game um which day was it remind me which game was it, it was I, yesterday it was sunday that's okay. what i thought yeah it was yesterday and he, they were winning one nothing at the time it was going to be two nothing vasquez tied tags up is there i love the aggressiveness by the way definitely love the fact that he went um slid into home they called him out they challenge it the replay goes in clearly clearly Christian Vasquez gets his foot underneath before the tag even comes close to tagging him in the back of the knee. The throw pulled um, him up off the first baseline, so he had to come back. Couldn't get the tag in time. 
a million times over, Jerry Remy, Dennis Eckersley in the booth said that he's definitely safe. Look at it. We watched it a million times. The Tampa Bay um, Rays, they all were on the field. They all went back on the field. They all knew um, that they, he was safe. Everyone went back to their positions. Cobb was back on the mound throwing warm-up pitches. And then the stupid idiots in New York screwed up and come back and say he's out. And everyone comes off the field like, oh, what just happened? I hate this because, one, like you said, it would have been two to nothing. And as you listen to my recap, the Sox never scored a run after that. They had one run for the whole game. Yep. So it totally blew that, totally changed the momentum of the game. I think the Sox could have won that game if they had that if they had that run. It totally changed everything. And, God, it was, it, it was the worst call. What are they looking at? The thing was, the glove wasn't even close to down. It was like it was like this far for people watching on video. It was like this far before his glove even, and then he hit it as his foot was already way on the base. It wasn't even close. Eck and Remy and O'Brien are all like, "Oh yeah, that's that's totally safe, no question about it." Like he said, the players are on the field, and then they still call him out. I love their reaction. They're like, they're like, "What? Yeah, are you kidding me? Yeah, How, are you serious? How is he safe? How is he out? That was so safe. I couldn't believe it. I'm just sitting there like." And the only the, the only even like justifiable thing the league can say was well there's no conclusive evidence but there is because there was one there angle was. there was one angle in particular that the camera was behind them and watching Vasquez slide in almost from like um right on right behind where like the batter's circle is and it was a situation where you could clearly tell his slide was under and then the glove was still in the air and then it made contact and changed directions of the leg like there was such concrete evidence that they could reverse that call. <laughs> I don't understand it. This is replay. Why replay needed to be added to the game for situations like this. And it took so long. long. And I was like, the umpire had the the greatest view of it. He was like Mm -hmm. on the play. He was his eyes were like on his leg. Like he could not have been closer if he tried to be closer. It was so dumb. It was, it was so stupid. And I, I read an article from Rob Bradford from EEI and Farrell said the explanation was they can't definitively say if the foot made contact with the plate. Now I'm going to, show picture for you guys on video you could <laughs> i it, can you guys tell that that's definitively yes, that on, foot is the, on plate? the plate yes that foot so, is on the plate yep so that was the explanation the red Sox were given was that, that they couldn't tell that the the uh the foot was definitively on the plate and i'm staring at it i'm like hmm. i don't know how much more definitive it can get than that i don't and this is exactly why we have replay and it like just it like you said it changed the course of the game and this is why I don't I don't understand what anyone in New York was looking at because Red Sox fan or not I don't care what fan of the team you are he was safe he was painfully horrendous like it was the Rays were like, back got, to the field the Rays were yeah, on the, the field Cobb was throwing field. warm up pitches to stay loose because he knew he had to throw more pitches that inning because like, they, just they saw the replay on like, the jumbotron and they could, they have eyes. It's absolutely <laughs> moronic what happened. That's when you know the Yumps got it wrong when the away team is going back in the field. Like, whoops, okay. Unbelievable. Ugh, drove me nuts. Absolutely nuts. I did, must have watched it off 16 times. And that changed the ties of that game, right? Just like you said, they didn't score another run that entire game. So if you go up 2 nothing, stay alive in that inning, keep going, that changes momentum. You might even win that game. So You might score more runs than that yeah, than you already right. did. Exactly. So, look, this, th- that was stupid. Could have been a sweep. I don't know what, I don't know what New York was thinking. Um... One thing, that, one thing I definitely want to talk about, and I'm glad that we just, just got put in front of me on the uh, show prep street, was Jerry Remy back in the booth this week, and that conversation sparked it because him and Dennis Eckersley together is something that Nesson should invest in. Keep it going. Remy supposedly is going to be back every home game this year, the rest of the way. Um, because minus apparently, next week. Minus next week. Um, and this, apparently, this week. 
Yeah, because he's going to be in um, treatment. But treatment. Yeah. supposedly it's going really well, which is awesome to hear. It's, it's going better than they thought. So he's going to be back sooner, which is why he was in the booth. But can I tell you guys, this series is a prime example. That, that whole collaboration of what happened in that call showed me why Dennis Eckersley and Jerry Remy together with Dave O'Brien should be the long-term plan for Nessa. Oh, it absolutely should. It was they're so much fun together. And it's just like I mean, it'll never be Remy and Don, but it was just it was captivating and it was funny. I laughed and just them reminiscing was just absolutely everything. And it's just something that Nesson's been missing since Orcello's been gone. Yep. And now that they've finally figured this out where it's like, okay, you've been giving OB these people like person after person and just fill-ins and some of them have been painful to listen to and then you get these three and they just click and it's just like a natural click there's just so much chemistry between these guys where this needs to happen next season this needs to they need to figure it out that people are going to watch the games people are going to be listening to these clips on twitter and on nesson and it's it works and they they cannot screw this up because it works leave it alone keep this like dynamic going for the for the rest of forever it works it works nesson yeah you just gotta hope that remy gets healthy so he can take continue to do it yeah they were great i mean they're see they're a good combination of a lot of things they're completely real like that reaction to the the call was <laughs> yeah. so funny because they're just so real they're not like scripted like oh we have to say this like oh well, that's Rem- remy's always been real because yeah. remy can get away with a lot right because he's remy right exactly so they're both real in that sense they're both obviously really good at analyzing because they're both players but they both play different positions which is why they work even better together because yep. they you know they have different perspectives on the game so that part's great o'brien works great with them because he's kind of a good buffer between the two of them and he works well with everybody because he's been thrown with like 400 different people this year like you guys o'brien's said. a constant pro he's just got a steadiness to him yeah he is he's not the most exciting guy in the world but he gets the job done he knows what he's talking about and he can work with anybody, which makes him really good. Um, but yeah, I mean, Chad Finn wrote an article about it for the Globe about how you know so many of the announcers they brought in have been complete flops, and he was like, Eck and Ob are the best combination, and then you throw Remy in there, and that just works fantastically. So yeah, great combination. They better keep Eck around, and Jerry better get healthy so he can continue. Because I mean, if they can get away with a three-man booth for good, they should because it's great, and they don't step on each other's toes. Like nobody talked more than the others. It was such a great great chemistry so they got something there yeah Keep no it, please it defi- don't screw it up like Don. <laughs> it definitely it's, yeah seriously it definitely seems like it works because you know it's like you said it's different positions so when something happens one knows it's their turn to talk because they're the expert in that situation and it just works because there's just so much it seems like this chemistry that they've never worked together they even said it on there they both said it's great to work with you guys like they never worked together until this and it seems like they've been working together for a while so when that's the case you know you have something on your hands so nesson um, two things. Do me a favor. One, get rid of all the crap on the screen during the game. All those ads, all the numbers, all those random facts. I don't care what the road player's favorite movie is. Don't care. Get rid of all that crap. And get rid of all... That's part of the thing, is too, is get rid of the stupid... Uh, we're staying at the ballpark thing. You're still playing the commercials. All I, so useless. And then watch the little players run around in small boxes that I can't even tell where they are at Fenway Park. It looks like they could be outside on Causeway Street, for all I know. So let's uh, let, let's stop that. And then let's leave these two alone with Dave O'Brien next year as long as Remy's 100% ready to go, which he sounds like he should be, which is good. So, um, before we, not, just keep back, please. And just still keep back. Yeah, X yeah, not going. Keep back. X, X, X a constant there. Um, before, we get, before we get out of here, do our predictions. One thing around the league I really wanted to talk about was the Indians because 
I don't think they're going to lose again. Like, these guys have been playing phenomenal. They were behind the Red Sox, and you can't even blame them for playing better than the Red Sox because they're just, they haven't lost. They figured it out. They hit their stride, and the guys, they're going to be the one seed. They're going to take over the Astros. It's it's insane. I they haven't lost since August and against were the Red Sox. Against the Red Sox and August 23rd was their last loss. It's it's crazy because you know you think like you know six seven games like oh that's cool like ten games oh that's cool now it's like make it stop yeah they, they won't stop winning and I have I have a good friend who I've worked on many sets with who is just diehard Indians fans and he texts me Sunday night right after the Indians won and he's like do I need to keep saying it. And I was like, no. And then he texted me tonight right before we started recording. And he broke, he's like, never losing again. And then in parentheses, it says this was a pre-scheduled text. And I was like, shut up. Like, <laughs> I'm, I'm over this. Like, we have we have a little bet going. If they have a, if the Red Sox have a better end of the season record, I have to do a show in all Indians gear. And I'm kind of like really scared about that right now. But that because that's looking really bad. You know, beginning of the year, I was like, yeah, this is great. And we had a bet earlier in the year if the Red Sox had a better record at the All-Star break, he'd have to wear Red Sox gear. And he did. He uh, he owned up to his bets. And I'm a little scared that come the end of the season, I'm going to be rocking some, some Indians gear. Some old Chief gear. Do you, yeah, own, do yeah. you own Chief gear? Like, do you own the Indians gear? I don't. I have no reason to. I'm a Red Sox fan. <laughs> so if the Indians are first, you have to wear it? If they have a better record than the Red Sox at the end of the regular season, I have to wear. Indians, you have to wear uh, Indians. Yeah, gear. you might want to go buy some Indians gear because that's going to happen. <laughs> yeah, I know. I'm I'm a little nervous now because I yeah, don't want like people. Yeah, I know. It's a little scary. I'm going to be wearing something that's not Red Sox or Celtics or Leicester. It's going to be a little weird. Right. Yeah, I don't know what's now, going this, on with them. This this isn't baseball period there's a lot of crazy things going on the indians have won 19 games in a row the diamondbacks won 13 games in a row until that got snapped you know like five or six days ago and the los angeles dodgers who were 90 and 32 have lost 15 of the last 16 games they've lost 10 games in a row what happened there so you have a 19 game winning streak you have a 13 game winning streak and you have the best team in the league losing 10 in their own 15 out of 16 and they're still the best they're still team the, in the best record in the league that's how good that's how what far is, away they were than everybody what else. Is wrong with this picture I can't believe this is why many, I love baseball I mean, there's so many so insane happy. things happening I was looking at it last night and I was like what is going on I was like this is insane these streaks that are happening it's wild you don't see that every day no. We're living in some wild times right now in baseball. It's really disgusting to see the fact that the Dodgers have lost so much, and they're still the best record in baseball. Why have they lost so much, though? Why are they so terrible? I think they just stopped trying. I, I really do. I really just don't think they're trying. They're they could have been the best team in the league ever in history. They could have gotten 117 wins. If they kept winning 70% of their games like they had the whole rest of the year, they, I calculated it myself like three weeks ago. They would have been the best team in history in the regular season. And now they're they're lucky. They're going to be lucky to even get 100 wins. They can't win anymore. It's they're crazy. awful. It's crazy. Why are they so bad? No idea, but they got, they got three weeks to make it up, though. They got three weeks to figure it out. Yeah. Uh, no, they're going to make. They're going to make the playoffs. Oh yeah, there's no doubt they're going to make so, the playoffs. But they're probably still going to be the best team if they. Yeah. I mean, if they, they win ever again. But twenty like 2017's been a really weird year, and there's been a lot of weird happenings around sports and especially baseball. And now, like you said they lose all those games, they 13 out of 14, whatever it was, and they're still the best in the league. And it everyone's. I'm sure you guys have seen all over Twitter the Sports Illustrated cover where it's like best team ever, and but as somebody I forget they t- they retweeted today and they're like at least they put a question mark. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, oh, that's they're, they're, still, they're, they're still the best team right now, best team ever. 
probably not now, but they're still the best team in the league. And I want to be, I want the Red Sox to be that good where if they lose 13 out of 14, lose 10 in a row, and they're still like, eh, we still have a big old lead for first place, so we're not even worried. It's just, it's crazy what can happen in the span of a month. It's absolutely insane. But you yeah. never know even what could happen. Like, the Indians could go lose 15 in a row now, you know? Like, that could happen. Yeah, they're peaking, yeah, at, the they're, they're, they're peaking at the wrong time. They might peak and now lose in the are. playoffs. And I don't think it'll happen, but the Dodgers very well could easily turn this thing around very quickly because they are a good team. Um, I think they're gonna, they'll are gonna they be fine. I think it's literally just they're not trying or, or something's going on. That, but that's, that's really hard to lose 15 out of 16 games. That's really difficult to do. Yeah. Like, you got to try real hard. In a row. Yeah, that's yeah. also true. But it's like equally as hard to lose 15 out of 16, especially when you're the best team. Like, that's a lot of losses. You can't even get lucky one game and, like, win once? Nope. Not <laughs> not, not apparently. Nope. I guess not. Man, that's <laughs> um, insane. Did it start with that Rich Hill game when he had the no-hitter? Is that when it started? When he had the no-hitter, but he still lost in the 10th inning? Yeah. It was right around there. Yeah, it was. And they've, uh. they've lost 10 in a row, so. Man. Sorry, Rich Hill. You're the curse still. Um... <laughs> Okay, so before we get out of here, the show's coming to an end. Um, I don't know what's going on in Cleveland. I don't know what's going on in L.A., but God bless both of them. A lot. Uh, a lot is happening, and a lot's happening around here. We have big week coming up, a very easy week if the Red Sox do what they're supposed to do. Three against Toronto, three against Tampa Bay, all at home. You mean Oakland? Oh, my bad. I meant Oakland. Well, that's last week. Um, even easier week. They're playing Oakland. <laughs> so... Tampa Bay is on the road. By Let, the way. Let's let's skip over Oakland because they're sweeping Oakland, right? That's the consensus here, <laughs> right? Um, uh, that is what we said. Okay, yeah. so we're just gonna—they're bad. They're gonna sweep Oakland. They'll probably, they'll probably lose two out of three. Probably, but that's that's what we went with. So let's move to the Tampa Bay series. That game is in Tampa at Tropicana maybe. Field. Maybe. maybe we'll see. What no, happens. they announced today that they they have full plans to play there. It should be fine. It, the, honestly, the hurricane didn't it, do well, as much the as they plan. thought. The hurricane didn't do as much as they thought it was going to. Um, so it seems like yeah, it, it got like downgraded. Yes, right. very quickly. So um, I have them swimming Tampa Bay, guys. I have them going six and zero this week. I look at the schedule. I hate to do it because it's not me, but it's Oakland's garbage. Tampa Bay's even more garbage. And if it wasn't for a crappy call, you probably sweep them this past weekend. So they're going six and zero. You are. You're very brave. I mean, I think they're going to take two out of three from Oakland and I think two out of three from Tampa Bay as well. And I hate using, you know, the hurricane down there as an excuse, but we've seen firsthand here, like a tragic event can really spark a team to, to win a couple games or to really just like get going. And I think that the Rays are going to rally around it. And I don't think they're a good team by any means, but I still think they're going to take at least one from the Red Sox. And I think they're going to use that like being home and they're going to win for their fans kind of thing. But there's there's still gonna be a it's still gonna be an easy easy week for Boston. Yeah, I've got a sweep of the race too. In addition to the the A's, you got to take advantage of these games. You're not playing good teams. The A's are awful. You got a terrible record. Um, and I think the Sox are seeing teams like the Indians winning all these games, and the Astros are still like five six games ahead. So I think they're probably thinking right now like, all right, it's emergency. Let's catch up to these teams in the stretch run here. You got to take advantage against these bad teams. Three games against Oakland at home and three on the road against Tampa Bay. I think you got to take advantage, and I think they'll come ready to play. You know, it wouldn't surprise me if it was a 5 and one week, but if they can get two sweeps in a row, that would be great. That Then, you know, after winning four in a row before, that would be uh, 10 out of 11 games won. Now we're talking some Indian stuff again. So Yeah, 
You got. That you would got. Be help. That would be th- helpful. This is a week to keep up with them. Maybe put the Yankees in your rearview mirror as well. Finally, um, this yeah. would be a big week to be able to do that. So that's what you're looking at. Jess and I both predicting the big six and zero week. Uh, Lauren going five and one. Either way, five and one still something to be happy about. And, uh, if you're a Red Sox fan for sure. Quick, quick side note: Haley Ramirez just changed his uh, Instagram picture, so everyone should go take take a look at that because it's a it's a doozy. It's hilarious, and I just tweeted it out, so I think it'll give the the Red Sox fans a little little laugh and something to love Hanley bit for a little bit more. Oh, I love it. People love Hanley. People do love Hanley. Well, I think they're gonna love him a little more. <laughs> <laughs> All right, it's me. I'm looking. I can't stop. Go check <laughs> out do. Lauren's Twitter. Go check out Hanley's Instagram. Um, don't forget to follow us on Twitter at Red Sox underscore Beat. Facebook Red Sox Beat Podcast. CLNS Media is at CLNS Media. Facebook, same thing. Don't forget to check out FanDuel.com backslash Red Sox Beat. Week two listener league. We'll promote it. You can join us. You can play against us. And don't forget to use the code Red Sox Beat as Lauren is cracking up over the Hanley Ramirez Instagram picture. So. Uh, go check it out. Don't forget to use the promo code Red Sox Beat for the two of those nut jobs over there. Just Thomas and Lauren Campbell. I am Jared Scally. We'll be back next week. This has been Red Sox Beat here on CLNS Media. <laughs>